Well, if you want to do them this song, then what you can do is, um, I think uh, you could do, Okay, here's the plan for the communion part. Um, he's going to do it during the Alleluia song. And um, what we're going to do is sing, like we were saying at the beginning, when we sing it four times. Okay, so sing Alleluia, Alleluia, for Lord God Almighty reigns four times. And then he's going to come up at like the third or fourth time and start communion. And then whenever he finishes, we'll start back at the beginning and just run straight through um, and do whatever else we want to do kind of thing. Does that make sense? to do that at the invitation. Nope. So let's go over what a friend we have in Jesus. What happened to Miss Sis? Because she needs some singing. Definitely didn't grow up Southern Baptist. Cause like that's all I know. No, we're not doing it like that. We're doing it slow. Cause this is Miss This is the last song, so we're gonna do it slow. Brazil. The ones he had last year. Because we were trying to leave it like that. You're being cool. Okay. So we're going to do. 
Sister Mashy, please start singing. I I'm sorry, I was enraging. <laughs> We can sing it at that tempo at the beginning. Want to? No, we can. 
can do it that way. That was yes, nice. yes. Miss this, miss this, I think, wants Let's to do say, I say yes. That's that's my question too. Okay, we're gonna put what if we have a Jesus first. We'll just come back up and do the first verse like uh, slower.
a good tempo to set us at what if we have a Jesus upbeat uh, I'm trying to think um I'm playing too fast for them. Okay, do y'all want to go uh, over Father, Blessed Father one more time? Yes. Okay. Well, I think as long uh, which one do y'all want to go over more? So. Okay. I mean, it's the same thing, it's a little faster. Okay, let's do that one. Yeah, yeah, I see. Okay. Uh, we're going to go uh, Father, Blessed Father real quick before we end. Thank you. 
Father, bless us all.
Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you not thankful today that His love never fails and it never runs out? Man, I'm telling you, in a world that is spinning out of control, you know, what a week it has been. A couple of weeks, been very difficult. Seems like everywhere we turn, uh, America seems to be under siege. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I never remember a time in my life where uh, this many of our embassies were being besieged at one time. And we stand around and we scratch our head and we say, what in the world is going on? What in the world is going on? I want you to know today that his love will never run out on you. We have a father who knows us by name. We have a father as children of God who knows every hair on our head. Those that are ours and those that we bought. He knows every single hair. Amen. He understands everything about us because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And my brothers and sisters today, I don't want you to be discouraged, but I want you to be encouraged that our Father in heaven, who is the greatest Father above all, who is above all, in all, and through all, has not taken his eye off of the ball. It has not slipped up and caught him by surprise. But he knows exactly where we are. And today, you may come in and look at the circumstances that are going on around you, and you may feel overwhelmed. And I want you to know you have a right to feel overwhelmed. Because when we go by our feelings, it feels very overwhelming. And we scratch our head and we look at where we may be heading as a country and we say, what in the world is going on? I want you to know that we're not of this world. As a child of God, this isn't our permanent dwelling place. It's not our home. We're just passing through. And Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. If it was of this world, I'd have my boys here and they'd be fighting. But instead, he looked at his disciples and told Peter, put that sword up, son. And he reached down and took the ear of Malchus that was hanging there because Peter had just sliced it off and healed it. Amen. And he said, my kingdom's not of this world. My brothers and sisters today, I want you to understand that we have a father in heaven who loves us. He loves us so much that he looked at us in the situation that we were in and he sent his only begotten son and said that whoever would believe in him and cling to him would not perish but they could have everlasting life the mystery of the gospel the mystery of that great gospel passage in John 3 and 16 and God not that we love God not that we brought something to the table but God looked at us and said I love you enough to die for you that's the kind of father we have I, that's the kind of father I want to invite you to worship today this may be your first time to come and worship with us. I don't know how, how you do it at your church or any of that. I just want you to worship a God in heaven who loved you enough to lay down his life for you and worship him with all of our heart. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to move in and out of our 
seats, Lord. Lord, you're already here and you're moving around us and in us, Lord. But God, I pray that you can move through us, Lord. And that if we came in here, Lord, and we may have been overwhelmed, that, Lord, we can hear from heaven today. And, God, that we would take courage and that we would not be discouraged and that our hearts would not be overwhelmed, Lord, but that we would look to you, God. And I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that we would get a word from heaven today, Lord. And, God, that you would change our lives as a result of being here. Father, I pray that you would give us the strength that we need today to be able to go back out and face a world that is spinning out of control and embrace it with confidence and say, I know whom I believe in and I am persuaded that my Father in heaven can keep that which I committed unto him until the day that I see him. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Sing this with us. It may be new to you. Father, blessed Father, today. Will you take what we have a sacrifice unto you? Then create clean hearts and Lord make a spirit new. Will you take what we Oh. 
Christ left us with this great treasure. He left us with this great ordinance. And it's that we can celebrate his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And we can anticipate his second coming. But the Bible tells us that before we do that, that we should examine ourselves. That we wouldn't partake of that cup unworthily. That we'd examine our hearts and search our heart and say, Lord, is there anything in my life that would hinder this act? This, this act of obedience, this act of celebration, and this act of anticipation. And so as KT just plays softly, I just want you to examine your heart right where you are. Just, just ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything, Lord, anything that I know about, Lord, that I need to give to you? And Lord, is there anything that I don't know about? Lord, would you reveal it to me right now so that I can partake of this cup in a worthy manner? Because, Lord, I know that you're worthy. In the silence of this moment, while she plays softly, would you just do that with the Lord right where you are and just examine your heart? gather the church of Corinthian together and here's what he said I'm going to tell you what I received from the Lord what I'm going to also pass on to you that on the night when he was betrayed that Jesus that Jesus took, a, took bread and he broke it with his disciples and he said this is my body which came for you do this in remembrance of me would you thank the Lord for his sacrifice and his body that was broken for us. Lord, thank you for giving your body, for letting it be abused and afflicted and having my sin, Lord, not placed in it, but on it. Lord, the Bible says that he who knew no sin became my sin, that I could become your child. Thank you for your sacrifice of your body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take and eat the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul went on. And he says, in the same way, Jesus sitting there, he took a cup. And he took some wine. And it says, he also took the cup after supper. And he said, this cup. It's a cup, not of the old covenant. Now understand that when they had got together... They were celebrating what was old. It was called the Passover. They were celebrating their religious traditions. And he said, we're not celebrating what was in the past. But this cup that I'm holding, it's a new covenant. It's a new covenant. And by the way, I didn't come to do away with the old law and with the old Passover. I, I, I'm coming to fulfill it so that we can begin to celebrate a new cup. And he says, this cup, the new covenant, it's my blood. And do this, and as often as you drink 
it, you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and you drink of my cup, you proclaim that I died for you until I come back again. The cup, the sacrifice. Thank the Lord that not only was he willing for his body to be broken, but he was willing for his blood to be poured out so that we might live. Father, thank you for this cup of sacrifice, the cup of atonement, the cup of cleansing, the cup of remission. In Jesus' name, take and drink the cup of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, why can we sing, Alleluia, the Lord God Almighty reigns? Because He does. He does. Give Him a hand this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for what He's done in your life. Let's sing a little bit more of that this morning. Alleluia, Alleluia, the Lord God Almighty reigns. Do you believe that, church? Sing it out with all your heart. Lift up your voice. about a God thing and uh, what God's up to and uh, uh, 
Sister Esther, can you enter? Can you introduce your mom to us? Can you? Can you? Can y'all come? Come up. Just bring the whole crew if you want to. Amen, brother Clyde. Won't you help them out there, brother? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to tell you about a miracle, and uh, I want to, for those of you who's new here, I want to introduce you to some of your church family, and uh, this is Sister Esther. And uh, she's the miracle for us. Sister Esther grew up and, uh, in Lima, Peru, probably within 20 minutes of our church in Peru. And uh, God went the long way around to connect a Peruvian and uh, an American in the middle of nowhere, Louisiana. And uh, this is her daughter, Lily, her brand new baby. Look at here. Amen. Praise the Lord, a brand new baby boy, and uh, and this is her mom, Margarita, and uh, this is Margarita's part of our church family in Peru, and uh, we're so excited to have her, amen, amen, amen. You may remember her dad was here, what, about three months ago, four months ago maybe, you got to meet her dad, and her mom's here. In a couple of weeks, their whole family will be here. And uh, amen. Everybody but her older brother. Her twin brothers are coming, and her dad's coming, and hopefully we'll have the whole family here. Sister Margarita, we're so thankful that God has brought you into our life. What you are doing for our church family in Peru I cannot find the words to express my gratitude. I'm so glad for our providential relationship. You remember in House Church on Wednesday night, the video Andy talked about providential relationships? You remember that? How he brought people into your life by providence? This is providential. Amen? God never leads you anywhere that he hasn't already provided for you. It's when you follow Jesus Christ, it is not a walk in the dark, but it's a leap into the light. Now, when your feet leave the solid foundation you're standing on, it may be a little dark, but it's just like those new coolers at Walmart. That when you move where it's at, the light comes on. That's how God operates. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me have a microphone here. Amen. Sister, do you have anything you want to just share about what's going on in Peru? Okay. Grab one for Esther so she can translate. Estoy gracias a Dios por estar acá en este hermoso lugar. Todo lo que le sucede al creyente en Jesucristo es por obra de Dios. Everybody that is Christian knows about. Conocí a Jesús a los 20 años. She knows she met God when she was 20 years old. Casi el 80% de mi familia es cristiana. Right now, most of the 80% of our family is Christian. Soñé algún día en conocer el, el país de donde venía el, el misionero Benjamin Benjamin Simpson de mi iglesia que asistía en Perú. 
conocía a Cristo. She was always dreamed about this missionary that came to our church when she was young. His name was Benjamin Simpson. Agradezco a Dios por por estar aquí y sé que tengo una misión que Dios me encargó es en Perú. Agradezco a Dios por todo. She's very thankful for everything and she knows that she's in charge of the mission in Peru and she's very thankful for it. She's going to make her do her best. Me alegro en Jesús de conocerlos. She's very thankful God to meet y'all. De estar con ustedes, de compartir hoy día hasta el día que regreso a Perú. To be with y'all and share her story till the day she's got to leave. Y la obra de Cristo continúa. And God's work is, will continue. Amen. Amen. Love you so much. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Is God not good to us? Is He not great? I mean, Lord is just so wonderful. The way He connects people and lives together for His kingdom. That's why we worship Him. We serve a living God. And I want you to know something. It may seem like You know, the old saying was, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. I told somebody this morning, it may seem like the world's going to hell in a race car. Amen. But I want you to know, we serve a God who's on His throne. And He is at work, and He's moving, and He's ruling, and He's reigning. And I believe that He's wanting to pour out His Spirit on a dry and thirsty land in these last days. That there would be a reaping of people for the kingdom of God. That He may be glorified. And can I just say that hell might be horrified for what Jesus Christ, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords is up to. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand and clap of praise. Thank Him in this house this morning. Give Him a hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. Let's worship the Lord today with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our spirit.
talks about uh, us calling out to him and, um, and God coming out and rescuing us. Um, and it just encourages me to know that my God is not someone who just sits up in heaven and watches us and just kind of looks at what we're doing in our everyday lives. Um, he comes down to us. He did come down to us. And he died on the cross for us, and he gave us that assurance of being rescued. That's the perfect explanation of what he did. He rescued us from sin. And um, I don't know, I'm just, um, I guess I'm at a place in my life where I needed to be rescued, you know. And so whenever I heard this song, you know, it, it made me just bust into tears because God, it feels so good whenever somebody just wraps you up in their arms. That's exactly what he does. It talks about being where you are. Where is God? God is in heaven. So when we are where God is at, we are at his feet. I don't, I don't want to be anywhere else than that, my father's feet. And having his arms around me, it's just such a comforting feeling, man. And so um, I just I hope that this song spoke to you the same way that it did me. So. today. Maybe you feel like you need to be rescued today. He'll call. He'll answer. He'll wrap his arms around you. Lord, when we were contrary to you, Father, that you were signing the peace treaty of Calvary, God, to bring us who were once far off near by the blood of Jesus. Lord, in your name today, in Jesus' name, I pray if there's anybody in this building that feels overwhelmed, that doesn't know where to turn, Lord, if hope seems to be fading away in their life, I pray today that they will feel you running to their rescue. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Thank you, praise team, for leading our hearts in worship. Our children will be slipping out in the children's church this time. We've actually made one change in our children's ministry. If you're in the sixth grade, if you're in junior high, you'll stay in worship service for the rest for the preaching today. Um, anybody fifth grade and down, if you can go back um, into the children's area at this time. You can go for our children's ministry. So just put it right there. Amen. Isn't it great to see what the Lord is up to and all that God is doing and the dots that he's connecting? I'm going to move that just a little bit because I will knock that over. Amen. That's, sorry about that. And all of you said, you know that to be fact. Huh? All right. Watch this video, if you will, for me. 
and then we'll get into the message this morning. They're not going to leave you, dear sister. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. For whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, in adultery in the very act now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned but what sayest thou What sayest thou? He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. thine accusers. Hath no man condemned thee? familiar with that passage of scripture in that lady's life. And I have preached on this text many times. And I've preached on the following text. But I've never fully understand what Christ was really teaching. Right after Jesus says, go and sin no more, here's what he says in John chapter 8 and verse, 13, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, and he said, to the, to the ones who were all around, 
And here's what he says. I am the light of the world. And anyone who follows me, he will not walk in darkness. But will have the light of life. It's John 8 and verse 12. I'm going to say that verse again. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Would you circle that phrase, I am? You know why it's familiar? Because in the Old Testament when Moses was scared to go before Pharaoh and he said, well, who am I going to tell them who sent me? What did Jesus say? What did God say to him? Tell him I am sent you. There's a new song that's out now on the radio and I heard it yesterday for the first time and it says, it says it, it, the song is I am. The whole song's about I am. I am the one who's in the furnace. I am the one who's in the lion's den. I am the one who parted the waters. I am the one that walks with you. I am, I am, I am. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And if anybody will follow me, he will never walk in darkness. But that person can have the light of life. Now, this is the pivotal text right here. Man, I've never, Pastor Ken, I've never connected these dots. I don't know how I've missed this because my mind's so small, I guess. But look, look at what it says right here, the pivotal text. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, anybody who follows me will not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of life. Here's what it says in verse 13. So the Pharisees said to him, who are you testifying? Who are you testifying? Are you testifying about yourself? Your testimony is not valid. And Jesus says, even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is valid because I know where I came from. And I know where I'm going, but you don't know where I came from and you don't know where I'm going. Now, I want you to bear with me because this is kind of a, a, a peculiar text that we need to read the whole thing and we'll come back and we'll make a couple of points. And here's what it says. Jesus says, you judge by human standards, but I judge no one. Stop right there. Because what did Jesus say? I, John chapter 3 after verse 16, for I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but why did I come into the world? That the world through me might be saved. So Jesus says, I judge no one. You judge by human standards, but I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgments is true. It's true because I am not alone. But I and the Father who sent me judge together. Even in your law, it is written that by, by one witness here, even in your law, it is written that the witness of two men is valid. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me also testifies about myself. Verse 19. Then they ask him, Where is this Father, you say? And he says, You neither, you neither, you know neither me nor my Father, Jesus answered. If you know me, you would know the Father. And he spoke these words by the treasury while teaching them in the temple complex. But no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Now, now stop right there. Why is Jesus having these conversations? Well, number one, he made them all mad because they were ready to kill this sinner. And he says, whoever's without sin cast the first stone, as we saw in the video, and none of them could cast the first stone. And then while Jesus was finishing up that ministry assignment, he says to the woman, I go and sin no more. And by the way, I am the light of the world. And he who has the light of the world will not walk in darkness, but will possess the light of the world. And that just really agitated the whole Pharisees. Now, you remember why they brought the woman in adultery? 
They wanted to test him. They were trying to trip him up. What was the very first thing they say? Moses says this woman must be stoned, but what do you say? And Jesus says, I say whoever has no sin, let him get after it. And what do they have? Sin in their life. And they could not. So he has them very agitated. And so they're still, he's still there by the temple. He's still taking care of business. Now verse 21 says, Then he said to them again, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin because where I'm going you cannot come. Stay with me. So the Jews said again, He won't kill himself, will he? This guy's going to kill himself. Will he kill himself? And they still there having this conversation. Because he said, where I'm going, you cannot come. And in verse 23 says, you are from below. Circle that in your Bible. You are from below, he told them. I am from above. Circle that. You are from below. I am from above. You are of the world, and I am not of the world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I... There it is again. Would you circle that in your Bible? If you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who are you, they questioned. He's driving them crazy. Precisely. What I have been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them, I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. And what I have heard from him, these things I will tell the world. Now, I know this is a little bit confusing, but stay with me. Verse 27. They did not know him, know that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Would you circle that in your Bible? There it is. Is again, I am. That I do nothing on my own, but just as the Father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. I don't know, but if I was you, I, I might put a little star by that and come back and study it a little deeper. I always do what pleases him. Okay, verse 30. Here it is. As he was saying these things, many believed him. All right, you got the crowd? You saw the crowd a while ago? You remember Jesus was teaching in the temple. While he was teaching, they drugged this woman out that was going to stone her because, because she was caught in adultery. He dismisses that. She's now go free. Jesus says, I didn't come into this world to condemn you, honey. I come to set you free. And then he tells her, I am the light of the world. You don't have to stumble around and grope in darkness because he who has me has the light of the world. He drove the, disciples, the, the teachers crazy, so they begin to try to intrigue him. They begin to try to pull more out of him. And while they're pulling them out of him, all of a sudden, there are those in the crowd that begins to believe. Now they're really driving them, driving them crazy because Jesus is making disciples while, they're, while the contrary is happening. <laughs> Many believe. Now here's what he says. If you continue in my, world, my word, then you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, right here, would you write in your Bible this? A transitional scripture. You know, we had one transitional scripture a while ago. I am the light of the world. What happened? It transitioned from wanting to kill the woman and the woman being healed and the woman being cleansed and the woman being set free and the woman possessing the light of the world to now he's in a religious dispute. And they're arguing and grumbling over these things and they're going through all of this. And then all of a sudden, now another transitional scripture happens because something else is happening. The thing that's happening is converts are being made. People are believing. They're saying, wait a minute. I think I remember something about our forefathers teaching us about this. And so now they get into this dialogue. And Jesus says, I'm just going to tell you, if you know me, I am the truth. And if you know the truth, the truth sets you free. 
This has nothing to do with my message. But if you tell the truth, you never have to remember what you told. Now, I'm not going to meddle there, but there are some people that ought to start living by that. Amen? Now, as we think about this, here's what he says in verse 33. We are descendants of Abraham. Can you just see their religious arrogance swelling up? What do you mean? We're descendants of Abraham. They answered him. We have never been enslaved. Good gracious. What, what is this? I mean, we have a thing in America called we're, we're recreating our American history. And while we're recreating our American history, we're doing away with everything that related to God and doing away. Now, I'm not getting on a soapbox here, but what they're trying to do is erase the things from their history and their heritage that they don't want. And that's what these, 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 these Pharisees were doing. I mean, do they not remember 480 years in Egypt? I mean, come on. Can you really forget the plagues and the Nile and the, the frogs and the blood and the death of the firstborn that brought about the institution of the Passover? I mean, come on. But in their religious arrogance, they say, we've never been enslaved. I mean, has anybody ever been to church and just kind of felt that religious pious and arrogance flowing? I'll move on. I got a lot to say here. Jesus responded, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave. Oh, my goodness. Now, good gracious, he nailed over the wall. Why? Because he said, if anybody doesn't have sin, you can kill this lady. We know they wanted to kill the lady. Now, they couldn't kill the lady because they all had sin. And Jesus says, if you don't have sin, if anybody's ever had sin, you're a slave of sin. Good gracious, boy, he was a good preacher. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you really will be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me. Oh, get this, because you're trying to kill me. You're trying to kill me because of my word is not welcome among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father. And therefore, you do what you've heard from your Father. Oh, boy, this gets good. I mean, lean in and get this right here. And they say in verse 39, Our Father is Abraham, they replied. And Jesus says, oh, this is good. If you were Abraham's children, you'd be living like Abraham lived. If you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing what Abraham did. Folding up your tent and following the voice of God, no matter where he tells you to go. Oh my goodness, stay with me. Verse 40. But now you're trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. And can I just say a little side note that has nothing to do with my preaching, my message today? I have never had a lost person get mad at me on the way out of church and say, I can't believe you told me the truth. The audacity of you to tell me. And if I don't get my heart right with Jesus, I'm going to spend an eternity in hell. It never happened. I've been doing this for 18 years. never happened. But I can tell you on many occasions, I've had some little old super saints come up to me and say the audacity of you to tell me that I have to let go of that sin or I have to walk in holiness or I have to embrace the way of God. Who do you think you are, preacher? Anyway, just a little side note there. Let's move on. And so we go on, and here's what he says. It says uh, in verse 40, he says, I heard from God, and Abraham 
did not do this, you're doing what your father does. Now, let me read that again. He says, if you were of Abraham's children, you would do what Abraham did. But now you're trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. And Abraham did do this. He did what he heard from God. And you are doing what your father does. And here's their answer. What do you mean? Are you saying we were born into sexual immorality? The King James doesn't pull any punches here. Are you saying that we're bastards? Are you saying that we're illegitimate children? Are you saying that we were born out of wedlock? Man, he's got them stirred up. And Jesus says unto them, If God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I am here. For I did not come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. It drives you crazy. It drives you the truth. I had a pastor tell me this one time when we were going through Radical together. You remember that book? We were talking about it. He said, oh, I was talking to a pastor about that book. He said, I, I, I read one chapter. He said, I never read anymore. I said, why not? He said, because it was more in that first chapter than I wanted to live up to. So I knew I didn't want to go to the second one. Got to love his honesty. God help his church. So here's what it says. You are, he says, you don't want to listen to my words. My words are telling you one thing. You don't want to listen to my words because you cannot listen to my word because you are of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has stood in the opposition of truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Yet because... Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. I'm a, I know this is a lot, but stay with me. I promise I don't have 57 points. I only have two. But it's a lot of text. Then Jesus responded to him... Aren't we right in saying that, you, that you're a Samaritan and you have a demon? Now, there's been a many of church committees that has said that about their pastor <laughs> and ran him out of town. Jesus said, I do not have a demon. Jesus answered, on the contrary, I honor my father and you dishonor me. Can you just say this is some intense conversations here? I do not seek my own glory. The one who seeks it also judges. I assure you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death ever. Then the Jews said, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than Abraham? Even the prophets died. You pretend to be. Jesus says, if I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My father, you say about him, he is our God, because that's what they were saying. He is the one who glorifies me. You've never known him, but I know him. If I were to say to you, I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do not know him, and I keep his word. Your father, Ab oh, get this. Your father Abraham was overjoyed that he would see the day, that he would see my day. 
he saw it from afar off and rejoiced. Then Jesus replied, I mean, then the Jews replied, dude, you aren't even 50 years old yet. How do you mean you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, I assure you, before Abraham was, there it is, I am. Circle it again in your Bible. And they picked up the same stones that they had gathered to kill the adulterous woman. And they were going to kill Jesus. But Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple complex. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, how in the world are you going to connect all these dots? It's simple. All of this was about two things. Heritage. Something that comes or belongs to one by reason of birth. It's inherited a lot or something that was reserved for you. And Jesus was saying, you reserved your heritage, not from Abraham, because if you were really Abraham's children, you'd be doing what Abraham did. You'd be living like Abraham lived, but instead you lived like your father, the devil, the father of lies. Legacy. Anything handed down from the past, good or bad, is your legacy. Heritage is what was left to you. Legacy is what you're leaving for somebody else. The legacy of your life. And this whole thing is about two questions. Really just one. Family identity. Family identity. There's a lot to do today. A lot to do with Ancestry.com. I mean, it's this whole family identity. And people are walking around. They're scratching their head like we looked at last week. And they're saying, what is it about my family? What is it about my family? What do, sometimes you don't want to know about your family. I did a little, some, somebody else did a little research for me on my family because I'm not patient enough to do that. And I found out some things that was pretty interesting about my family. Now, anything that I want to put on the internet worldwide while I'm preaching here, but there were some interesting characters in my past. And there were some interesting people in your past. There were some interesting things that happened in your past. And everything, I mean, some of this I think is a bunch of hoopla, really. I mean, I was listening to an ad this week about Ancestry.com, and I think, I mean, they even took, it was like, they they said something about their family that came over on the Mayflower, and they even knew how much money they had in their pocket. I'm thinking, okay, really? Now, you may be able to trace your genealogy back down to the Mayflower, but come on, do you really know how much money they had in their pocket? A lot to do today with family identity. And as we launch out into this new sermon series for the next couple of weeks on family identity, I want to ask you, it all has to start with one question. Which family are you part of? Which family are you part of? There's somebody, if I called his name, you'd probably know who he is and uh, was a person of great success, great stature, and and, and, and great wealth. And uh, it was imparted to him by his family, a family that he was not born into but a family that he was adopted into. Doesn't have the same DNA, doesn't have the same genes, doesn't have the same parents. It's all different. But he was brought into that family because someone loved him. Therefore, all the rights of the family have been bestowed upon him because somebody loved him enough to go and get him and bring him and place him in that family. There's a lot to do today with family and family identity. 
And I wonder what would be what would happen. I wonder what would happen in America if we spend as much time saying, I want to, I want to, I want to spend my time on the legacy that I am going to leave for my family for the next generations as we did trying to research what happened in the previous generations. You know why we're trying to research the previous generations? Because we are not doing diddly squat in the previous generations, and we're trying to go back and live on yesterday's miracles. Ooh, I hate it when the preachers tell the truth. It's why we want to go back. Anytime you talk to somebody about their relationship with Christ and all they can tell you is what they used to do, you know they're not amounting to anything currently. And I wonder what would happen. What we have to do is understand that what we have to do is, a, is, a, is a, to have a great, strong family unit in your home, to have a great, strong faith family here. I want you to understand I am glad there is a diversity in this faith family. I am glad that we look a little bit like our community. I am glad that for us this isn't the most segregated time in our life. I am glad that today there are people that speak different languages and are from different countries and have different heritage and they have different uh, a past in their lifestyle. I am glad that this is just not a vanilla church. Can I get an amen this morning? <clears throat> and as we think about this, it's all about family identity. And Jesus has got them stirred up. And he says, I just got one question for you. What family are you in? Before you can do anything great for your faith family, you've got to be sure that you're part of God's family. I don't want to know how much you give. I don't want to know how much you work for the Lord. I want to know how much of, the, how much of you the Lord has. I'm not concerned if you've arrived at the second blessing. I'm not concerned if you've made it to the third or the fourth or the fifth or the sixth blessing. I'm not concerned about you getting more of the Holy Spirit. I'm concerned about the Holy Spirit getting more of you. I'm concerned about the Holy Spirit getting more of you. God does not put you on trial and say, if you're a good boy, if you're a good girl, and you do okay, and you mind your manners, I'm going to give you 10% of the Holy Spirit. And if you do good with that 10%, I'm going to give you 15%. And if you do good with that 15%, I may bump you up to 25%. But oh, if you do bad, I'm going to bump you back down to 10 Honey, I want you to know on the authority of the Word of God, you're not on trial. You are a blood-bought child of God that has been sealed with the Spirit of God. God God's not seeing how good you can perform in the absence of the Holy Spirit. He's invited the Holy Spirit to live in you. And it's not about you getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit getting more of you. Amen. I know it's contrary to popular preaching today. It's us giving ourselves up to God. It's about lordship. It's about lordship. It's about us releasing ourselves that he may be more in us. Matter of fact, John the Baptist said it this way. It's not about me being filled up with preeminence and strutting my stuff and drawing attention unto myself. John the Baptist said, I am a friend of the bridegroom. And the only job of the bridegroom is to make sure that everything is perfect for the wedding. 
that the bride is happy, that the groom is happy, that the table is set, that the everything for the ceremony is in the place. John said the attention is not on myself. It is on the bridegroom that is coming for the bride. And therefore, John the Baptist said, it's not about me. It's not about how many disciples I make. He says, I must decrease and the bridegroom must increase. We don't need more of ourselves. We don't need more of our religious piousness. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need the presence and the power of God in our life and in our families. And when that happens, you'll have a skip in your step. You'll have a song in your heart. And you'll have a smile on your face. Which family are you in? In this passage of Scripture here, we see very clearly, Jesus says, you are from below, I am from above. Now, regardless of what family you were birthed into in your genealogy, or what family you were birthed into in your denomination, we are all from below. We all have the characteristics of our father, Jesus says, of the devil. Now, it doesn't matter if your mom and dad was a good Baptist. It doesn't matter if it was a good Pentecostal. It doesn't matter if they kept every church ordinance and they fulfilled every doctrine of man and every tradition of man and that denomination that you grew up in. It doesn't matter if you was a drug baby, that you were drugged at church before you were born, after you were born, until you left home. God's not impressed with that. What he's impressed with is has there ever been a time in your life where you've reached the point of decision when you said, Lord, I realize it's not about my Baptist heritage. It's not about my heritage from my Catholic forefathers. It's not about my heritage from my Church of Christ background. It's not about my ecumenical status of my past. But what it is about, Lord, is that I know that I was a hell-bound sinner with no hope and no light in my life whatsoever. Lord, I know that the hound dogs of hell had surrounded me and they had me bunched up in a corner and they was trying to overthrow me and destroy me and annihilate me. But Lord, I remember the day the high sheriff of the heaven came walking into my life and the Holy Spirit spoke into my life. I remember the day, Lord, that I wasn't concerned about the things that were below. I wasn't concerned about the things of my past because I had caught a glimpse of my future. Lord, I know that I once was lost but Lord, I remember the day that you put out the search party of heaven and my soul was rescued from the danger. Lord, I remember the day that it was no longer about my past, but it was about my future. Do you remember that day, church? Do you remember the day of transformation? Give him praise in the house of the Lord today. Hallelujah, amen. Do you remember that day? Hallelujah. Or are you still like these Pharisees? trying to grapple with, well, I remember. I remember when I signed up for Sunday school. And I remember the first time that we went through this religious experience and, and, and I was able to take my first communion. Or I remember the time, the first time mom ever leaned over to me and said, you can have communion today. Or, you know, I remember that time that I went and the preacher baptized me. But then I remember the time I went to church camp and I felt real bad. And I came back, and man, I was baptized again. 
And, and I remember that time they had that evangelist come in, and man, I just felt like I had lost it all. And I, was back. I, I remember all of these religious experiences, and you're still trying to connect. You're living your life like a, like a rock star. I mean, like a, like a, like, not like a rock star, but like someone who follows them, a rock star junkie. They live their life from one rock concert to the next. One to the next, jumping and jumping. There's a lot of Christians like that. They live from, from one conference to the next, one seminar to the next, one revival to the next, one, 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 one state to the next. Oh, there's a moving of God in this state. They get on an airplane, they fly to that state, and they do, and they go and they meet and they experience, and they feel good and they feel warm and they feel fuzzy. Amen. And they come back home. And their same families there. They have the same job there. And, and, and they're grappling and they're struggling. And they're saying, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand the whole transition because, because I, I just feel when, when, when I'm there where the presence of God is, I feel like all is right. But when I come home and I lay down at night and I wake up and I'm thinking something's missing. Had people live their life from one experience to the next, and their whole life like a roller coaster, up and down, up and down. And occasionally, when it really, when when the religion really gets good, I know it's not good English, but come on, it's good preaching. When it really gets good, the roller coaster will go upside down, and they'll feel this little tingle in their stomach, and they'll throw their hands in the air, and they'll say, "Woo, hallelujah!" Hallelujah, I feel good. Let me tell you something today, church. God's not going to do the deepest work in your life, and it's your, your salvation, your religious relationship, your spiritual relationship. He's not going to do the deepest work in your life in the most shallowest part of His being, in your being. Our emotions are the most shallowest part. I mean, we could be laughing, carrying on, having a good time. I mean, we could be watching this movie. Great comedy, we're rolling, we're belly rolls, we're chuckling. I mean, we, we stop for a popcorn break and all of a sudden the news comes on and it says our embassies are being besieged and our ambassador's been killed. All of a sudden, what happened to the belly roll? It's not there anymore. That's your feelings. Your feelings will lead you astray. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have to acknowledge your feelings. But what it means is that you don't plan your life and chart your life on your feelings. You chart your life on your faith. It's like I was preaching last week. David was standing up in the gate chamber weeping and wailing. And he didn't know what to do and his heart was broken and he didn't know where to turn. But he remembered the God who rescued him from the hand of Saul was the same God who was going to be there supplying and, and moving forward in his life today. Therefore, he wrote the scripture that said, The Lord is my shepherd. Why is the Lord is? Because the Lord said I am the Lord said I am way before he ever said the Lord is today somebody leaned over last week and said oh my goodness are we going to start having flowers like in a real church and I said Lord no can't think of a greater waste of money Flowers, most church money most churches spend on flowers would pay a pastor's salary in Peru. That's meddling, so I'll move on. A lot of our spiritual lives, 
lot of our family identity look just like this bouquet. I mean, they're, religiously speaking, it looks good. I mean, we go to churches that have good buildings and good coffee bars and, and good stuff and good programs. And they meet my <clears throat> toddler's need. They meet my <clears throat> children's need. They meet my youth's need. They meet my need. <clears throat> I mean, they have <clears throat> prayer meeting for men, prayer meeting for women, Bible studies for men, Bible studies for women. They have basket weaving for Christian women. You know, they have baseball for Christian men. You're picking up what I'm putting down. And when you look at it, <clears throat> you say, man, it looks good. And it's all the life. When you're there and you're on that religious experience, it's life. It's like these flowers. You're surrounded by life. And, and oh, it smells so good. Man, my, my church smells so good. And man, man, when that praise team leads work, I, I just swell up. I just swell up with my, my, I'm just so proud of my religion. I, I'm so proud of my, my denomination. <clears throat> and you reach down and you, you touch it and you go through the, wow, man, it just feels so, so velvety. Just, just, just so, so soft. And then you come home. And you're like, I don't understand. When I'm at church, I feel all that. I feel the life. I see the light. But, but, but then I come home and I just feel so dead. I doubt my salvation. I doubt my relationship. And I think, man, if I sign up for more work at the church, I may get it down. If, if I give more money, I, I, could, I could feel feel more secure. Listen, the reason that you feel that way is because your, your faith is based on external, external factors. But the problem is, for many believers, they have a crisis of their identity. Because in the middle of it, it's all silk. And it's fake. And there's no smell unless the florist gets some fake smell and puts on it. And they take their dead spiritual bondage. And as long as it's surrounded by the real thing, it just feels so alive. And, and, and my faith feels so strong. As long as, I'm, as long as I'm jumping from seminar to seminar, from revival to revival, from, from, uh, from, from one TBN preacher to the next, as, as long as I'm sowing that seed of faith, if I'm sowing that seed of faith, why, don't I, why isn't my seed of faith taking root? You know what a change your life as a pastor? 
when you're sitting there in Haiti and you're surrounded by about 30 to 40 men who walk, some of them walk 12 hours to get there. And they say, I don't understand. <laughs> this is interesting. They may not have lights and they may not have uh, running water, but they got internet. I mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't call it an internet cafe because you'd get the wrong impression. More like an internet pole somewhere. And they go and they log on these little internet spots, hot spots, and uh, they listen to American preachers. And they ask me, they say, Pastor, we do everything those American preachers say to do about give all that we have. They don't have anything. We give it. And, and, and we, try to, we, we try to sow that seed of faith. We try to do all that. And why are we still in poverty? Why isn't it working? And it's because a lot of Western preachings like cotton candy. Uh-huh. It's good when it hits the mouth. But you don't even have to chew it. I mean, just put cotton candy in your mouth and shut it. And what happens? It disappears. It melts in your mouth. It has no substance. It's all sugary. It feels good, looks good, smells good, tastes good. But there's no substance. And today, today, I want to ask some of you, would this be the day that you trade in the fluff for faith? Would you trade in the cotton candy for God's spiritual staples? Would you? Would you be willing to say, I just want to get rid of all that fake stuff and embrace the realness of my Savior, Jesus Christ. I remember the day I remember the day that I was in those shoes. I remember the day that my life had truly changed for Jesus Christ. But then I also remember the day that I had turned my back on what I knew to be life. And I went back and I, I, I said, man, let me go back. and Man, I, man, I, I just, I, I, there's some things I like about the old man. Like, man, I really like when I can stop and and. and grab me a beer after work and, you know, hang out with the guys and talk about all the dirty things they do. And I'd go back, and I went and gathered back up those dead things, and, and I went and put them back and shoved them back. Oh, look, look, it'll be okay. I put them in the middle, and I looked real good on the outside. And then one day I remember a guy's life was falling apart. I mean, it was falling. And I couldn't tell him about the good news of Jesus Christ because he knew about all the fake stuff in the middle because he was with me about 12 hours a day. That was a transitional moment in my life. I went back and I pulled all that junk out. I said, I don't want this anymore. I got rid of it. But after that, the devil would attack me. And I knew, all, I, knew I had life. I knew everything about my life was real. But it didn't feel that way. I mean, the devil would besiege me and say, well, if you was really born again, why would you do that? Why would you have went back? 
And I remember one night at 2 o'clock in the morning, I was having one of those sleepless nights. Boy, I was just being besieged on every turn. And I had went back and I had traced my life out. And I had went back and I had done everything that Jesus said to do to be his child. And I know this may shock some of you, but there's not really like a plan of salvation in the Bible. It's just scripture after scripture that man is linked together. And I went back and I wrote, I wrote this out. I wrote the Lord a letter about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I said, Lord, I know I failed you in the past. And I know I broke your heart. But I said, Lord, I've done all I know to do. I believe every scripture you wrote about salvation, and I have embraced it. Therefore, Lord, there's nothing else I can do. If by some reason I do go to hell, I'm going to go to hell believing your scripture. And I never, ever, ever doubted it again. And I believe with all my heart. And that was a transitional moment. It was a transitional moment where I realized, I said, enough of that. Enough of that. I have life. And I'm going to live like it. 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 Today, some of you have never threw the junk away. Oh, it's silky. It looks good. And do you know the worst gardener in the world can make them live? I mean, all you need is a blower. Come by and blow the dust off of them. Some artificial perfume. How many of you tired of that? Would you trade your religion for a relationship today? I don't care what it was. I don't care what card, I don't, I don't care what name you put beside it. Would you trade it for a relationship with the king of glory? Now, I'm going to tell you, it's hard work. You've got to stay connected to the life-giving source. Matter of fact, Sister Pat said, Boy, if you're using them flowers again today, I'm going to have to go get you some new ones. And you know why she said that? Because they had been neglected all week. They'd been in this hot building with no air conditioning on where they were. And so therefore they were all dying. I'm not telling you folks, I'm not telling you that if you give your heart to Jesus today, it's going to be easy and you're never going to have to do anything again. But I am telling you it'll be the greatest journey of your life. And I am telling you you'll never feel like a phony again. You'll never feel like a fake again. I'm not telling you that your life won't be a roller coaster because even Jesus' life was a roller coaster. If you don't believe me, read the New Testament. But here's what I am asking you, that if you do profess to be a believer, then model his life. Jesus said, if you are children of Abraham, then why aren't you doing what Abraham did? And I'm saying to you today that if you are a child of God, let's live like it. Let's live like it. Enough straddling both places enough swapping hats embrace him embrace life embrace the change do away with the question marks do away with the question marks say this I know whom I believe in
I don't doubt it any longer. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to the cross. I claim. And you'll be able to say, oh my, my. What a friend I now have in Jesus. All my pain and griefs he bears. What a privilege that I can take those to him and I don't have to carry them any longer. With your head bowed today. Maybe you're here and for the first time you realize you know that Jesus died for you, but you just never let him die as you. I wonder with your head bowed today, (coughs) maybe there's somebody in this building that would say, Pastor, that's me. I've been faking it. I'm not saying there's not some life in my life, but Lord, Pastor, there's a lot of fake stuff that I've been unwilling to let go. Maybe you're here and you're like, I know that I'm a believer. I know I'm, I've been blood-bought, but Pastor, I've gone back and tried to pick up some of them fake, fake flowers and put them back in my life just because I like them so much. Pastor, I I know that's me. I know God's not pleased with it. This old song says, Have you trials and temptations? Are you cumbered with a load of care? You should never be discouraged. You just bring that to the Lord in prayer. Don't fake it anymore. If If you don't have the relationship with Christ, I'm telling you, trade that old junk of religion and gain a relationship. And then, if you've gone back and picked up some stuff, I've done it. I've done it. I've lived it. Pull it out. And say, Lord, I am am settling my, I will no longer have a crisis of identity. I know that I am your son. And I know that I am your daughter. If you fit into one of those categories this morning with nobody looking around, she's just playing softly. If you fit into one of those categories this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something that takes courage. I'm going to ask if you'd get up where you are and just make your way to this altar and do business with the Lord. you're not moving just keep your head bowed somebody may tap you and let you go by just come make your way to this altar and we'll have somebody pray with you thank you young man just if you're not moving just keep your head bowed where you are let's just let the Lord speak to you There's some others. Just keep your head bowed where you are. Just be praying. God's moving. God's touching hearts and lives. Would you come? The Lord's speaking to your heart. Would you come?
Would you come right now? People's coming. Won't you come? How about you, ma'am? Got some men owning up here this morning. How about you? Some ladies. Say, I'm tired of faking it. I want the real deal. Won't you come? Won't you come? Let's do business with the Lord today. Won't you come today? Won't you come? Won't you come right now? Won't you come? Somebody will be here to pray with you. Won't you come today? Just tell them what it is you need to do. Maybe you just need to pray and, and ask the Lord. Maybe you need to invite him into your heart for the first time and get rid of it. Tell the person next to you that's praying with you, I need Jesus in my life. Won't you come right now? If you're not moving, just be praying right where you are. There's some heavy-duty battle going on in this building right now. Won't you come today? And then if you're here and you just need to cheer up your salvation, maybe today you just want to say, Pastor, I, I, need, to, I need to recommit my heart to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you there's a friend in Jesus. Won't you come right now? Won't you come? Let's do business with the Lord today. Won't you come? Won't you come? Let the Lord speak to your heart. Amen. Amen. Somebody else coming? Let's do business with the Lord. Get rid of the fake stuff. Let's embrace the realness. Let's grab hold of the life. If you're not moving, just keep your head. But would you just pray? Would you be interceding right now? Interceding on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Won't you come right now? are praying maybe you've got your life shored up maybe you've got the real thing and you've been praying you've been saying Lord I need I know I'm part of your family but I need to be part of a faith family that is strong that is sure that believes is on the same page and God's doing some great work in their life maybe today God's brought you to this place and you want this to be the place that you call home you pitch your tent and say, I want to give it all to Jesus right here. Maybe today you want to do that. Maybe you're a parent. Your heart's broken. You've got some children that are out there. You know they're not part of the kingdom of God. You know they're still part of the kingdom of the things of below. This altar's open for you today to make your way down here and just begin to pray and do business with the Lord Jesus Christ. Won't you come today? Won't you come? Won't you come?
sing that with us this morning while these are praying. Are you weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Jesus, precious Savior, still my refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Stand and sing that first verse with us. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Ron and Kathy, come see. You may know Ron and Kathy. They, uh, uh, they've been visiting with us for a little while, and uh, they first connected with us through our motorcycle ministry, Biker Sunday, which is coming up the end of this month. Uh, Ron is over a chapter for the CMA, the Christian Motorcycle Association, and uh, they had just been praying. They knew God had been stirring on their heart, and they had been uh, watching our ministry and our family from afar. And I visited with them this week, and they just said, Pastor, we know this is where God wants us to be part of this family. Amen? So today, we praise the Lord. Amen for them. And uh, we're excited about what God's going to do in, in y'all's lives and our lives together for His kingdom. Amen? Amen. Welcome to the family, my brother. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Amen. You come by after church. Go ahead. You want something you want to share? Praise the Lord. We're excited about them and being part of our family. God's up to some good stuff. Let them know how glad you are for them to be here. My brother Frank uh, threw away the fake flowers today. Did you? Praise the Lord, Frank. Amen. Let's give it up for Frank. Woo, hallelujah. He's lost everything that really matters to him in this life, but uh -huh. he knows that God's going to give Amen. him. Amen. Hallelujah. Frank, give Frank a hug on the way out. Amen. Lord. Uh, upgrading, hallelujah, man, getting rid of the junk and make, grabbing the jewel of Jesus Christ, amen. Hadn't it been great to be here today? Hey, did you have a good time in house church this week? All right, all right, we want to encourage you to plug in. If you do not know where our house churches are located, uh, Clyde will be in the foyer. If you lead a house church or a host of a house church, if you would be out in the foyer as well, we want to just make the connection. You can find out where they are if you go to our website. 
There's a link on our website about, it's listed as small groups. If you'll click on there, it has all the information you need and a map that shows you where those home groups are located. Amen. We've only done one lesson in this week, this series. So it's not too late to plug in if you've not made it yet. And we're going to see some good stuff happen. Super 7. Uh, man, we're having a great time. Let me, let me tell you something. You want to hear some good news? Last week, last week, with your help, we were able to touch over 220 kids, 220 kids last week. Amen? Amen. That's good. Come on. That's good stuff. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. 220. We did. Uh, we ministered to 180 kids at Bolton High School as we teamed up with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And then with Super 7, there was over 60 kids counting ours and their parents out at the park. Enterprise Park last week. So it's good stuff. Uh, great to be part of that. If you want to know more about that, see, see, um, see um, um, Ashley. There she is, Ashley and Melissa. And uh, see Miss Melissa. Amen. She's got it going on. So good stuff happening this week. Great to be part of the family. What a wonderful time you had for the women. You want to share anything about the women's conference yesterday? Do what? That is a Peruvian lily. Did you is make that, that up or did she That's tell you that? That's an Alstromerian. Oh, I know what it is. Oh, he it came from Peru. He said it's a Peruvian lily. Amen. <laughs> Peruvian lily for our faith family. You hug Sister Margarita's neck when you go out in the foyer. She will bring um, she will bring our tidings back to uh, to our church family in Pamplona, Peru. Amen. Um, we had 27 women yesterday, and we had a great time at the Beth Moore thing. Um, and we thank y'all for making that possible because the church um, made it possible. And also, we are going to start a women's Bible study in October. Please, um, I'll tell you more about that later. I'm not going to tell it today because I don't know all the details yet. But please be looking forward to that, and thank y'all for letting us do that. And if you did not get to come, and ask somebody about it because we had a really good time, and it was a really big blessing here yesterday. Thank you. Amen. Good stuff today. Praise the Lord. Hadn't it been great? Have you had fun this morning? Did you have a good time? Amen. Church should not be like going to the dentist. Hallelujah. Can I get a witness? We ought to be excited and delighted to be able to be in his presence. Amen. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed this morning. Thanking the Lord for what he's done in our hearts and our lives and for how he is changing us and transforming us and moving us into what God has called us to be. God, would you pray for us? Dismiss us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for who you are.